Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie. And I'm Sonia. And welcome to Season 2 of the X-Men Animated Series. Yay. Yay is right. <laughs> we got Season 1 done. That's mm-hmm. one-fifth. Good times. Good times. Um, last week, we had the pleasure of interviewing uh, writers of the show, Eric and Julia Leewald. Yeah, and they had a lot of really super interesting details for us about the making of the show, uh, different plot lines that didn't happen yeah. that relate directly to this episode we're about to talk about. That's right. And um, some details about their upcoming book, so look out for that if you didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah, they told us the title, which was, I don't know if it was like a real exclusive, but let's say it was. They said <laughs> it's going to be called Previously on X-Men. Right, which, which I is, love. Yes, which we love too, because if you start any episode, especially on, if we're watching it on Hulu, they all start with the recap of the previous one. Previously on X-Men. Yeah. yeah. And there was some debate of whether or not that was Cyclops doing that voice, but uh, write us in and let us know if you think it's uh, Cyclops as well. Anyway... Anyway, we're starting off um, season two, kicking it off with Till Death Do Us Part, part one, which another, is the first episode. Right, another two-parter. Right, which uh, fits right in with what you know what they were doing in the last season also, just really like serializing um, all these storylines and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of threads <laughs> that start at the beginning yeah. and like run through all the way to the end of the season. Yeah, that's de- and that's definitely the case with this episode. This episode lays a lot lays a lot of groundwork for the entirety of season two and the the major plot lines don't really get resolved until the end of season two Mm -hmm. so kids at home you better be paying attention you know (laughs) to what you're watching right because you're going to be expected to remember a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. but the episode opens in a supremely awesome way um it's wolverine in a tuxedo uh in a smoky room uh fighting cyclops of all people and it's a really vicious fight. Yeah. And like we touched on in some of the other episodes from season one, it's also an amazingly cinematic yeah. setup where it's like the room is like filled with this white billowing smoke mm-hmm. and you just see like the blaze of um, Cyclops' lasers yeah. coming out of his eyes. Like, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And Wolverine is really like psychologically damaged slash enraged to the max in this scene. <laughs> you know, because you know, they're fighting and then there's a quick cut to Scott and Jean who are getting married. Right. Which we saw at the end of season one. Scott proposed to Jean and she said, yes, I will marry you, Cyclops. Not Scott Summers. Which <laughs> <Right. laughs> is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but he gets married as, as Scott Summers. Yes, he does. He's right. got his tuxedo on. Yeah. Um, a purple magenta themed uh, wedding. Of course. Yeah. Um... <laughs> They're all wearing, like, magenta, purple, like, uh, bow ties. Right, and the the bridesmaids. Yeah. Um, Very apropos of the early to mid-90s. Well, really to this day, too, like, tacky wedding outfits. But whatever. Uh, So, but it turns out that Wolverine's not really fighting Cyclops. He's fighting a robot Cyclops in the danger room. Mm -hmm. But, which is nonetheless... Uh, I mean, it, which is no less psychological for Wolverine. He's like, you can't have her! And, you know, he's, like, stabbing the robot yeah, it's Cyclops. it's totally just a therapy session Yeah, for him. it's, like, really wearing his emotions and psychological traumas on his sleeve, you know? Yeah. And it's funny that the danger room can be programmed to emulate that. Right. Cause in, like, a demented way. Like, if I were him, I would really want that type of thing to be private, you know? But I guess, yeah. like, it is in the danger room, I mean, so but whatever, we see, but... like, Beast in the danger room later, yeah. and he's just doing a normal exercise with, you know, ropes and wires and things shooting at him. There's no, like... It's not, like, 
like digital holograms and stuff. Holograms from Beast Life, where he's being tormented or something, and right. like laughing at him. You know? Well, I guess it's a, it's a choose your own adventure <laughs> type of right. Yeah. So there's workout. like this. So it's a cross between like the wedding of Scott and Jean at the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, and then Beast working out his issues in the danger room. No, no, not Beast. Wolverine. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolverine working out his issues in the danger room, and I, it's just like a really great opening sequence because it cuts back and forth between those two scenes, and it like takes a few cuts before you understand that they're both actually happening. Yeah. and then at some point, like like we said, like uh, Wolverine thrashes the robot Cyclops, but then the robot transforms into like this hybrid of Cyclops and a Sentinel, mm-hmm. like this twenty foot version of Cyclops as a Sentinel and right. Wolverine cuts its head off but the Sentinel's still not dead it's like the decapitated head shoots a laser uh, an optic blast at Wolverine and he's right. just pounded in the Decimates corner decimates his clothing yeah he's just like, being like uh, you know irradiated by this optic blast it's pretty violent <laughs> it's screwed up yeah and then like while it's happening to him he's his like distress is so great that he's oh, right. beaming these like psychic visions of himself to doing Jean this while to she's Jean. being married. Right? How inconvenient! And so she's like right her. in the middle of the ceremony. She just said, "I do," and like she gets this like message from him in her brain, and she's like, "Wolverine." And, like, One of the top drawbacks to being a psychic is yeah. <laughs> on your wedding day you might inter- intercept a lot of people. You really get to see what people are thinking at your wedding. Actually, is that like something as a bride you would want a power of no. to read the read the minds of all your guests to see? Like, I hate them. Definitely not. <laughs> right, yeah, you probably don't want to know what people are really thinking as they're, you know, like, smiling and clapping at you for being married. You know, like, I'm sure most people are happy, but whatever. Anyway, that was funny. And So, so we digress. But right. then, like, Jean has to, like, go check on him. Yeah. Because she's worried about Wolverine because she just saw these, like, really violent images. And so she goes into the danger room where he's, like... He's half-naked. Right, from all those With all laser his muscles blasts. bulging, right. And she's just like, oh, we missed you at the wedding, you know? And <laughs> like, he's like, Gene, I, I still love... No! And she cuts him off. And she's like, I gotta go. Cyclops is waiting for me. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, that is still unresolved, the the love triangle, at least from Wolverine's point of view. I don't think it's unresolved. I think Gene, like, makes it really clear. Like, she knows what Wolverine no. is about to say, and yeah. she, like, purposefully doesn't let him say it. But, yeah, and because think- she doesn't want to close the book. No, She could I just say, Wolverine, enough way. is enough. I'm married to Cyclops. You need to get over me. She instead she just avoids the conversation and walks out, you know, like scared. I think that like, is her way of closing the book. I don't think so. I think, I think in that's Wolverine's her being eyes, like we're done here. I think in Wolverine's eyes, the book is still open and he still has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. I I think like and we know that like technically he still might because they're married not by a real priest but by Morph, who uh, you know, surprise is still alive. Left for dead in season one, right? But turns out he's alive and he's seeking revenge. So he's starting off by invalidating Scott and Jean's wedding. Why would he want to do that? That doesn't. Well, he's most pissed at Cyclops. So at the end of at the beginning of season one, Morph was blasted by Sentinels after trying to save Wolverine's life, which was kind of foolish because Wolverine can't be killed by laser beams. Uh Morph can apparently, or maybe not in this case. Right. Um, And it's shown that Morph was saved by the villainous Mister Sinister 
for sort of unknown reasons. We don't know what uh, Mr. Sinister's uh, plan is yet. But Morph is resurrected, um, which also fits into the comic book Marvel Universe world where no one can really die. You right. know, people, death is but a temporary condition, yeah. but a minor setback. So um, Morph is brought back to life, and now he's out for revenge. And so, like, back to your question, like, he wants to start off with Cyclops, because Cyclops is kind of the one who I guess so. It just seems like such, like, a weird place to start. Like, it's not like he goes after him and attacks him. It's Mm -hmm. not like he does something like... Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's devious, but, like, to what end? Okay, all right. uh, Ha-ha, your marriage is not valid. How annoying for you. You have to go down to the courthouse again. I guess. But, you know, like, Morph, I mean, no, I'm sorry, not Morph. Uh, The writers of the show, Eric and Julia Leewald, who we spoke to last week, you should Mm -hmm. listen to that episode, they gave us an amazing behind-the-scenes plot line that was nixed by the Fox Kids executives at the time. And they wanted to have Gene get impregnated for season two mm-hmm. and be pregnant during the whole season and have that being sort of part of the recurring drama. Right. But the Fox kids executives are like, no, that's too mature for a kid's show. Right. We can't have a pregnant character because that implies that they had sex. And so... Plus but, she'll be like flying around in spandex like yeah. super pregnant and that's like... And, but I guess, and so I guess from the writer's point of view, like... They needed to invalidate the wedding so that they couldn't really have a quote-unquote wedding night. Where, <laughs> But it's like, our, I mean, as a kid, I never, even I as an eight, eight or nine-year-old kid, I, I still assume that if you were in a relationship, you were having sex, especially one that deep where you're about to get married. I didn't think that they were virgins. Well, but then she also, it, in a later scene, though, she says some, oh, when she's like leaving the room from talking with Wolverine, yeah. she says, like, okay, I have to be going now because Scott and I are catching a plane, which is like... You know, right, they're, they're going, going on, on their honeymoon, honeymoon yeah. and, like, uh, it's whatever. I know, but I think, like, in their minds, they're like, the wedding wasn't real, the writers' minds. The wedding wasn't real, so therefore they don't have sex. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know either. Anyways, so... <laughs> no, because I think, like, the, that's why... I, people might be wondering, why doesn't Jean get pregnant then? I don't know. You're right. Who knows? Maybe they want kids. I don't kids. think people... Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be wondering that, but I'm just, like, wondering in, like, a highly moral world where... It's a show for kids, and you're talking about marriage. Like maybe in like a kid's brain, like oh, you get parents get married, and that you know, that means that's where babies come from, kind of thing. I think we're talking like we're like trying to like like I think weave yeah, layers into things that, that are like kinda, don't actually exist. Tons right. of people get married and then don't have kids for many years. I know, know, but like uh, like I said, my only point about that is like a kid. I could see a kid might be confused being confused. I don't think a kid would think that far about this particular issue, because yeah, there's like, not. so much I mean, else I going on it. in this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's move on. So, um, so Morph is alive. Uh, he's out for revenge, like we said. That's just one of the many elements introduced in this episode. Um, on a side note, we see uh, President Kelly. He gets elected president in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we hear him, I, Robert... Jefferson Kelly do hereby swear to be president, mm-hmm. and it's like I thought that was funny. That is good name, old Bob Jeff. Yeah, Bob Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just imagine people in the South voting for him. It's like, yeah, I vote for Bob Jeff. <laughs> I don't like his uh, how he changed his stance on mutants, but you know, Bob Jeff, you can trust that man. <laughs> <laughs> so he, from here on out, he's Bob Jeff for me, <laughs> or Bobby Jeffy. Maybe that's more <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Ricky Bobby. <laughs> um. Uh, so that's an element, uh, and then uh, we're introduced to uh, the I think like maybe the most interesting set of villains, especially for a kid show. Yeah, uh, the Friends of Humanity, right? Which are a group of disgruntled like KKK neo Nazi esque 
like a hate group. Yeah. You know, organized behind the idea of hatred of mutants. Like, totally. Like, violent hatred. And I really like the political angle that they bring to this, like, first of all, with their choice of, like, focusing on Senator Kelly, right? Like, okay. even from season one, I think that's really, like, realistic in terms of, like, the president, you know, is kind of an obvious choice. Like, every kid knows about the president, right. kind of, and what they do. But, like, senators are, like, a little bit of a deeper level of yeah. government yeah, for, for kids. Ki- yeah, definitely. To, like, get yeah. Into- so they're learning about government. <laughs> <laughs> educational programming you know so like and i think that's cool because they like follow the same senator and like you see him Mm -hmm. like advocating for issues even if like whatever they're not like great issues but then he changes his stance and it's like the whole thing like really rings true to me yeah i mean you know what rings true it's like senator kelly was rescued in such a dramatic way yeah and and the the credit for his rescue and his life so clearly belonged to the x-men right and so and in that moment we can assume and we don't really show it they don't really show it but that senator kelly has a long talk with the x-men maybe on his flight back from being saved Mm -hmm. where they're like listen like we're good mutants we're out to fight you know this is why you know we rescued you even though you you're against us because we believe in like peace and harmony. There's no way a person like that in going through that experience could not be changed. And um, it just makes me wonder that, like, I wonder if that's what it would take for a certain president in our real life. (laughs) 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 Maybe a near-death experience. Yeah, a near-death experience where he's saved by the very people that he, uh, you know, opposes. I mean, let's not get too political, but you know what I mean? It's like, maybe that's what it takes in this day and age to change someone's heart for the better. Maybe, but... Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, But anyway, yeah, I mean, I also would just say that I really like the the Friends of Humanity as, like... You like like them? (laughs) You would be in the Friends of Humanity? If you (laughs) No, what I was going to say is that, like... I mean, because they are, like, a diverse group of humans. It's, like, men, women of any ethnic group. They're just united by their humanity. No, no, no. So maybe that appeals to you if you hate mutants, you know? No, what I was going to say is that I I like them as the villains. Oh, okay. In... <laughs> in, uh, I'm just teasing you <laughs> in this show because, like, again, it really rings true as like a, a group of people, and even like the way they name themselves, yeah. right? Like you were just kind of making fun of like friends and humanity right. are both really like positive words in our lexicon, yeah. and and like I just feel like a, a hate group like that would probably name themselves something that seems innocuous, and at, especially like, first one, glance. And, and it's not like they're the Ku Klux Klan or the like the neo Nazis of America, you right. know, that are clearly just you know, completely insane to the point of their iconography and imagery. Like, the Friends of Humanity are trying to to be, like, a relevant political group, even though they're completely like neo-Nazis. Right. You know, I'm not, you know, don't get offended, uh, friends in France of this podcast, but a little bit sort of like that national front movement in France with Le Pen kind of thing, where sort of like extreme hard right, uh, you know, political views go mainstream a bit, mm-hmm. and but really, there's something sinister lurking underneath. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's what you're right, and that's what the Friends of Humanity are. It's like it's like this group that's like teetering on on the edge of being like a straight up violent hate group and like a serious political force. Right. And it's kind of scary and like really awesome like plot element. Yeah. In, in a children's show. Um, and I love the way Professor X explains their existence. I mean, he sum he summarizes. A sort of political viewpoint that uh, you know a lot of people agree with, yeah. including us. Give us he, the quote there. He, yeah. he says, "So often in our history, unhappy, misguided people have created scapegoats 
blaming uh, those that are different for the problems in their own lives. Mm. And he's right. Yeah. I mean, it's like... That's uh, like a, a perfect yeah. summation. I mean, often like, if you, like, just, you know, are a bigoted racist person, you're usually masking and projecting, like, hatred of your own life onto another group of people, thinking that if you just get rid of them, all your problems, you know, will magically go away. Yeah. And, you're, you know, if you believe that... And you're swept up in that kind of thinking, like you're. I can almost guarantee you, you're being sold a bill of goods, <laughs> and that you really should stop and pause to think that, like, if if all we had to do was just get rid of, you know, said group, the mutants, then I would have a job, and my, you know, my my failed marriage would be fixed, and my kids would talk to me again. No, <laughs> you know, it's like they, you know, the mutants are not to blame for your life being a total piece of shit. Yeah. Um, you know, look in the mirror, maybe. So Professor X is spot on with that analysis. And I love like a message like that in the show. Um, you know, yeah. j- jives along with my thinking <laughs> yep. in life. There you go. So uh, uh, plus one for the X-Men. Another uh, educational programming point. Yeah, but that's just one of the many like awesome like layers in this episode. Like this is a really like intriguing episode that lays out a lot of stuff. Yeah. So including where like out of nowhere, Professor X gets a crazy message from Magneto who sends him a video message where he's like in a burning building or something. And he's like, Professor, terrible violence. I'm about to die. Come and save me immediately. And Professor X who has, like, affection for Magneto as an old friend, rushes off. Right. Without the other X-Men. It's like, you'd think, like, maybe he'd want to take some X-Men on this mission to save Magneto. Well, but he, like, calls it a personal mission and keeps it secret from the other yeah, X-Men, which is, like, weird. really weird. But Rogue calls him out on it. He's, you know, because, like, that happened a lot in season one, too. Yeah. But this time, Rogue is like, you know, the professor is getting awfully mysterious with his va- yeah. vanishing disappearance It just doesn't, X-Men. like, make sense to me that this would be, like, a personal mission for him. Because no. the X-Men have been involved with Magneto And Magneto's before. dangerous. And, and they like enemies. know that they have history and stuff. Anyway, but then we see what the X Men don't see is that it's not really Magneto. Oh, right. it's, it's actually Morph. The first of many setups in right. this episode. Actually, the second. The second of right? many setups, right? Because the first was the wedding was a setup. Oh wait, then the third because oh. the first was the wedding where the priest was actually Morph. The second was um, the friends of humanity like are secretly filming. Oh right. Well, I'm not sure what happened first or second, but whatever. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So the X-Men are out at a bar. Well, Gambit, Wolverine, and B-Star. And this is like a really funny scene because they're playing pool, which turns out to be one of the X-Men's favorite games. We yeah. see them play pool quite a bit well, in many you know, episodes. Well, you know, they're casual 90s guys. <laughs> well, pool's been around. It's not just about the 90s. Yeah, I guess. Um, but so, and this is like a funny scene because it seems like a pretty mutant-friendly bar where Beast is just sitting around and this like lady is hitting on Beast, sort of. It's the waitress, isn't it? With like the really thick like Bronx accent. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "Don't I know you from television? <laughs> You're famous. You know the president." <laughs> and Beast is really embarrassed. Yeah. And but Gambit is like trying to be Beast wingman and get him laid. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, "Go for it, right." Beast. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he is. He's best friends with the president, and she's like, wow. But and then it's at that point that the friends of humanity attack this bar, and it's a setup, like you said. They've been tracking Beast, and so they all tangle in this big fight, and right. you know, Beast is fighting them too. He's trying to he's trying to uh, quell the situation in a non-violent way. He takes one of their guns, so but they're secretly filming a Beast with the gun, and then they film Beast like sort of mess up their car. Right. And then they submit that to the news lady. So but see, it's like strategically edited right. to make it look like 
Look at this famous mutant that the president just pardoned. He's really violent and crazy. Like this is exactly. So that's like actually pretty like messed up. Yeah. So that's like the second trick. Then uh, Magneto is the third trick. Right. And then um, the fourth trick is, uh, uh, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but morph uh, fourth setup morph infiltrates the X Mansion, and the X Men don't know he's alive. And he's, like, out to create chaos in the X-Mansion, too. Right, which he succeeds at, like, right. really quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, his specialty. Yeah. Speciality, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, so a lot of setups in this episode. And I love you know, when Wolverine realizes this is all going on. It's one of his classic lines. It's a setup. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been set up. <laughs> I just love when Wolverine has an epiphany. He's so, like, angry about it all the time. <laughs> I'd be angry, too. Yeah. Sucks to be set up. Um, I, I liked. I also liked in this fight with Gambit. Like he doesn't have his playing cards. Yeah. And we see him take a pool cue ball and charge it up. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, that's really interesting because actually the way he gets that pool ball. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but no. like it's on the floor, and we see Beast like pick it up oh, with, with his with foot. his foot. Yeah. Like, and his, toss like, it at him hand foot yeah you know what i mean he's got dexterous feet <laughs> exactly with his dexterous foot yeah and he like tosses it into his hand and then he like throws it to gambit and i just thought it was funny that like the animators took the extra like couple of seconds to make that a thing oh yeah like, instead great. of gambit just like finding it on the floor yeah you know well we got to get beast beast is pardoned from prison and you got to get him in the action now. right we got to show he's like the full extent underused. of his like quirkiness and powers and yeah everything and it's I, you know it's like to me it's just interesting to see Gambit's powers because, you know, he normally uses the playing cards, which he charges with kinetic energy, and those explode pretty violently. Yeah. But that's a piece of paper. Now he's picking up, like, a cue ball, which is, like, a rock, more or less, uh-huh. you know, and you would think that's, like, a uh, like hundred times more right. deadly like than a, a piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't really explode anymore. Maybe he can control how much energy he puts in it. But know. it's like that's just cool to see, and then like later we see him pick up like a huge heavy chain and swing it around his head. Yeah, and that whole thing gets charged up and like yeah. yeah. His, his powers are really on display in this episode, as we'll see in a bit, right. too. which is cool, because I feel like one of the strengths of the X-Men that you see in a lot of episodes is that they're resourceful, you know? Like, yeah. no matter what situation they're fighting in, they kind of, like, use their environment to yeah. their advantage. and that's why their powers are so cool. Right, exactly. And that's, like, what makes them really successful I think that's, like, a, re- a really appealing element to kids is just seeing them use their powers in different ways and yeah. in different environments and stuff. It's right. really exciting um, and creative. And, uh... And, you know, and, uh, and the, speaking of this setup, you know, where they're at the setup beast, I like that, you know, it shows how, like, racist the Friends of Humanity are when they're filming Beast, and the, the guy filming it, who's the leader of the Friends of Humanity, uh, he's like, the mutant has a gun! You know, like, that's, like, so, like, such an old racist, like, standby comment, you know, like, uh, in the real world, yeah. where it's like, it's like, can you imagine, you know, said person with a gun kind of thing? You know, it's like, how terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess, like, not to get too deep into it, but just, like, the idea of people in, like, the super racist past of America having to get used to black police officers, maybe. You know, like, uh, like that terrified a lot of white people at the time. It's like, you're going to give them... You know, I, I mean, it really goes back to the Civil War, where the, the Northern Army uh, armed uh, freed slaves or free blacks. And it's like, you're going to give black people guns? Mm. You know, like, oh my god, it's Armageddon, kind of thing. So I like that they, they kind of, like, they introduce like that like real world racist trope into this show, like it, it, it just 
it, it, but it lends like, a lot of depth to like right. you know it's like what we're like talking a really about over the top way so yeah. like even kids that like don't yeah have like that depth of knowledge about well i mean what it honestly what it is it's like i was probably introduced to it as a kid on x-men uh-huh. but then as you grow older and you read about the past or watch other movies more mature movies and or more uh, mature historical things and they and talk about the things we just talked about I'd think back to X-Men, maybe, and, like, yeah, like, yeah. wow, like, X-Men's, like, a super progressive show in that way, you know, and, like, and, like you said, not really hitting you over the head, like, done in, like, a subtle way, you know what I mean, like, that's just right, and, um, so, you know, that's, like, so that was, like we said, one of the major setups, like, this Friends of Humanity, they're off to their schemes, and then let's jump to Morph infiltrating the X-Mansion, mm-hmm. so, you know, Morph like we said before, wants revenge on the X-Men for leaving him to die. He's kind of tortured about it, and it's interesting to see that play out, because like, he's in some like cruddy, like, like, motel room, like, wondering if he should actually go through with this plan to to mess up the X-Men, mm-hmm. and we see him, like, he's got, like, an evil face. Yeah, he's, like, green-tinged, and he's got those, like, purple bags under yeah. his eyes, like, like, all a, around his eyes. a really eyes. wicked smile on his face. Yeah. But that's not, like, we, I, both you and me kind of thought, like, oh, that's, like, Mr. Sinister, like, did something to his DNA or chemically manipulated him, so mm-hmm. that's why he looks like that. But it doesn't really seem to be the case, because he can transform back to his normal self mm-hmm. without the, like, face disfigurement. Yeah. So maybe it's just, like, a weird projection of his power that he has the evil face, too. Or maybe the evil face is actually his face now. Oh, right. But, and and it's then like he, he can, like, morph himself back into, like, what yeah. he used to look I, like. Yeah, I guess we would never really know if, like, yeah. he's been, like... We don't know what his, like, know resting his... face is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> morph resting face. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it also hints that, like, Morph is not, like, entirely evil now. That there's still some, like, the hero is still in him. Maybe. Right, maybe. But, like, he, he's conflicted, which makes him interesting. Yeah. And, and like we said, we don't know what Mr. Sinister's, like, motive is yet. So, <laughs> but anyway, like, why is he, like, manipulating Morph? And yeah. why is he after the X-Men? Like, what does he care? Right. But anyway, so Morph goes to the X-Mansion. He, you know, his powers are really suited to to messing with them. Mm-hmm. And, well, also, he knows them. Because right, he, like, yeah. lived and worked with them for a yes. long time. So he can really, like... Do some damage there. Yeah. So the like kind of the first thing he does is he pretends to be rogue, and Gambit's hanging out with Jubilee, and he saunters in as rogue, and he's kind of like, he's like Jubilee, get lost. I need to talk to Gambit. And she's like winking at him, like blowing <laughs> him kisses, like, give him like a kissy face, and Gambit's like, yeah, you run along and go play Jubilee. <laughs> and I really like this moment because Jubilee leaves, and she's so pissed off because this is like not the first time it's happened, and she's like. It's like, run and go play. I hate them. <laughs> it's just like, her impersonation of Gambit's really funny to me. It's yeah. really cute. And, uh, yeah, I guess Gambit and Rogue are flirting all the time. Right. Anyway, and so she, she was, like, annoyed about that. Yeah. But, and I thought, like, watching this originally that, for some reason, I thought, like, oh, man, they're going to kiss in this scene. Uh-huh. Because Rogue, or Morph, Rogue Morph tells <laughs> Gambit, like, oh, I can secretly control my powers. I just didn't want to tell you about it. Right. And I was like, oh, man, are they going to kiss? That'd be pretty crazy, you know, uh-huh. if, like, it's because it kind of be, like, you know, two men kissing each other. Uh-huh. Um, but it doesn't, it turns out they don't kiss. Yeah, well, it wouldn't make sense. Like, the whole thing is that, like, 
morph as Rogue says to Gambit, like, I'll be upstairs in the rec room, so meet me there in five minutes, you know? Because right. Morph knows that the real Rogue is up there, like, taking a nap in the rec room. So, like, the whole thing is that sh- that Morph wants Gambit to actually kiss Rogue so that, he, like, his powers get absorbed by her. Yes. Right? And that's what so, happens. Like, right, which is exactly what happens. Like, the setup works. And, and the setup is really funny because, like, the camera, like, finds the real Rogue sleeping on a couch, and it's like this slow, sexy pan of Rogue's body, and she's just all splayed out. Like, right. And and Gambit sees this, and his eyes like you know like widen. Yeah. He's like, maybe I'll wake you up with a kiss. Right. <laughs> and and he passes out immediately, and she gets his powers. Right. And she starts exploding stuff by accident. Yeah. Because she's like not used to controlling yeah. it. Yeah. But they really explain that Gambit can like turn anything into a weapon, which is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And also, you know, this is like another minor point. Before Morph goes into the mansion, he he makes this joke. He says, "Making copies." Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's just... because he like right. He like morphs himself into a uh, storm, and then uh-huh, rogue. Right. Like, yeah. But but that's like a reference to like this very popular Rob Schneider SNL bit at the time. Yeah, where he was like the copy boy, and he would just always say, "Making copies." Yeah. And that's just, like, a really <laughs> stupid reference. Right. And I, I, the only reason it stuck out to me is because we're both big Parks and Rec fans. And that was, like, in an episode two where Adam Scott's character says that as well. And, yeah. And, like, all the, like, young people, like, have no idea what he's talking about. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. That's a reference from about a million years ago. He's <laughs> like, I'm super old. <laughs> so, I don't know. Right. That's well, I mean, it's funny that it's in this show anyway, though, because, yeah. like, kids are not watching SNL, probably. I mean, I kind of I think I got that reference. Really? Even as a young kid. Yeah, because I was Because you've heard other people say it. Yeah. But it's not like you were, like, that awake would go at around midnight, a, like... Yeah, but some kids were, and, like, that would yeah. go around the playground. That was, like, something kids would really get, that yeah. kind of, like, dumb humor. Okay. There was yeah. nothing sophisticated about Rob Schneider's making guy. No, no, not that it's guy. sophisticated, but, right. like... Yeah. yeah. It was just, like, right at a 12-year-old's, like, level. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, uh... So, uh, Morph succeeds at creating all his chaos. Gambit's wiped out. Um, and then Storm... And, and then he also... As Storm, he sends Jubilee on a very dangerous mission to infiltrate the Friends of Humanity. And Jubilee stupidly thinks that's a good idea. Cause well, because she wants to be trusted. Because yeah. she was just kicked out she's as, tired like, of feeling like a go kid. play little girl, you know? Yeah. And now she's, like, got this important mission. Right. And then she also... And then... Uh, Jubilee, uh, not Jubilee, uh, Storm and Rogue, the real ones, are also off on a mission to deal with the Friends of Humanity, and uh, something happens where he pretends to be Beast, and he communicates to Storm that, like, oh, I'll join you in a second, because he's the backup, but um, it turns out the real Beast is in the danger room, like, just doing a workout. He doesn't know what's going on. Right. And Morph breaks into the danger room, and he sets, like, the the lever, like, the danger room, like, danger lever to, like, a million. Yeah. The danger meter <laughs> Right. And so... And you see it go, like, from low to medium to high. Yeah. And it just... I really like that animation, yeah, actually, I mean, because I, I never, like... like a really like... dangerous switch to... Yeah, totally. ...be laying around so easily manipulable. Well... Um, and that switch comes back in later episodes, by the way. That's yeah. like the last we've seen of the, the danger... Danger-o-meter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Beast is in trouble, so he's, like, fighting for his life against, like, a... All these s- robots and lasers, lasers and, and things. Yeah, things shooting at him. Yep. And, you know, so the X-Men are, you know, they're in chaos, and they're pissed that Beast hasn't showed up. Uh, you know, Storm gets shot by some cops. Again, 
Morph is manipulated. He turns into cops and uh, a sergeant cop and tells them all to shoot at Storm with full energy. And she gets shot a couple of times and falls from the sky. And it's actually, you know, they turn their guns to full energy and she still doesn't die. So in the X-Men world, guns even at max blast are still not lethal, which yeah. is, you know, interesting. Interesting just to note, uh-huh. to, to understand the parameters of, like, like what the limits are of this, right. of this w- universe. So, it, you know, things are bad. Jubilee gets kidnapped at the Friends of Humanity base because um, she thinks it's like a pro sort of mutant-like gathering. Mm-hmm. She's like, I want to help the mutants. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, come right in. <laughs> and uh, and then it's like it all kind of ends. So like things like end on a really bad note. Right. And They've we... opened up like five storylines yes. and not yeah. closed any of them. And right. like your kid brain is like, or even your adult brain yeah. is like, Gosh, oh, what man, what's going to happen? And, uh, and it ends with Mr. Sinister. He's been he's sort of the mastermind behind it all. We right. see him on like this weird like green throne of like go- green goopy ooze i thought it was i don't know like tree roots or something I mean, it might like, be but he's like his whole deal mr sinister's deal is that he's like a genetic like manipulator right and playing with dna and making like gross stuff happen yeah. so i wonder i don't like know like his sharp pointy teeth yeah and it's yeah so his creepy. whole appearance is like disturbing yeah he's like this i mean he's a mutant himself um his backstory is super elaborate and weird he's also like one of these mutants that can't really die or like has like lives forever mm. he's like hundreds of years old uh, he's like a sci- I think like his backstory without getting too deep into it is like his scientists from Victorian times mm-hmm. that figured out a way to live I, I don't know and like that's what transformed his skin and body to look the way it does and he's got like a weird like backstory with Gambit I mean there's like a whole lot going off Mr. Sinister as we'll find out more yeah going we'll, forward we'll see we'll yeah. see so I mean, you know, like we said, like this episode lays out a lot of stuff we're going to see in season two. Even though this is a two-parter and uh, some of the stuff gets resolved in the next episode, really like nothing fully gets resolved. Like mm-hmm. it's going to play out throughout the whole episode. And season two is very interesting. There's a lot of great one-off episodes, um, a lot of great backstories into characters we know and love. Uh, you know, and and I thought like. My immediate assumption was that season two was going to be longer than season one. It actually turns out it's the same length. So another like tight, compact thirteen episode arc. Yep. And then we saw, and then we looked ahead. Like season three actually has twenty five episodes. So that one goes like way over. That's the longest. Yeah. That's when the show's like really a hit. I guess they get a you know a call for more episodes. Yeah. Season four is fifteen, and then season five kind of limps to the finish at ten. But you know, so we're we're strapped in for another thirteen episode extravaganza. Yeah. And um, it, it look, it's looking pretty cool so far. It's like, you know, it's like the quality has certainly not dipped. Yeah. Uh, thing, uh, in fact, everything seems to really be hitting its stride. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot more intrigue, a lot more continuing plot points and interweaving characters and all sorts of fun stuff. I'm excited. Me too. Excited, you say. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm... <tsh. laughs> Extraordinarily excited. All How right. many X... Pod- right, okay. Enough X... Pod- <laughs> yeah, we're not that kind of podcast. Uh, <laughs> at least, we, I hope not. Um, all right, so, I mean, that's all I got. So, um, uh, oh, let's do some housekeeping. So, if you like the show, please... Uh, uh, subscribe to the show uh, via iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Mm-hmm. On iTunes, please raise five stars. Tell your friends. Write a nice review. That really helps the podcast get noticed. 
look for us on Facebook. Just search oh. X-Men Tess Podcast. Yeah, the X-Men Tess group. Podcast Facebook group. Please seek it out mm-hmm. and join. You can talk to us. Um, we, You know, in the last episode, we interviewed those writers, and we, we asked the questions that people in the Facebook group asked them. So, you know, it, it pays to be a member, more or less. <laughs> you, get, you get to – those people got to communicate with the X-Men writers just like we did, fulfilling uh, maybe some childhood dreams. So join our community. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And check out um, – what's the name of their website again? Their website is xmentas.com. xmentas.com. Follow them right. on Twitter at xmentas. Because mm-hmm. um, they've got a lot of quality X-Men content for you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. It's always fun to get more Twitter followers. And mm-hmm. you can talk to me that way as well and, and maybe see what I look like <laughs> <laughs> if you're curious. Um and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, seek us out there. Tell your friends. If anyone likes X-Men, let them know about this podcast. You know, uh, the show's been growing uh, week to week. It's really nice to see that. Um, but, you know, we know there's a lot more people out there that would be interested. And it's up to you to to, to spread, spread the, the word. word. Yes. So um, that's all I got this week. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what comes next week. So come back for another exciting episode of the X-Men Task Podcast. You mean an extraordinary, exciting X-Men extravaganza? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably listening. Okay, Okay. goodbye. Bye.